0: their wisdom, and the things they've learned along the way. For reasons you're about to discover, today's Sandro Forte podcast guest has spent most of her life dealing with the debilitating and often life-threatening illness. Quite understandably, this lovely and very courageous lady has asked that we do not use her real name on the podcast today. And so for that reason, I will refer to her only as Chloe. This is a podcast which some of our listeners may find upsetting, but I also believe it's a story which needs to be told. It's a story of despair and hope in equal measure, of fortitude, resilience, and the human spirit. Chloe has lived with anorexia for a number of years, and there have been times where this dreadful illness almost took her life. When we were introduced, I was immediately struck by her honesty and how real this wonderful person is but also how lonely and terrifying her journey has been at times. Chloe, all I can say is thank you so much for joining us today on the Sandro Forte podcast. Wow, that was quite an introduction. I I did give it some thought. This is the first time we've ever... (laughs) Thank you. Well, this is the the first time we've ever introduced a guest anonymously. But of course, uh, quite understandably, we want to have a conversation about you, your life without really exposing you to any more difficulty than you've already faced Chloe so um let's I'll start
1: you, I'll just tell you why why because it, this is quite important why anonymous um and to be honest with you I may change my mind but um I I first be, I'm 46 I don't know how but I am I um first got anorexia at 18 and I never thought I'd make it to my 21st birthday I was at university and um I can't remember how it started if I'm honest it was never about I want to look thin I can tell you that that's the huge misconception that I want to clear up and I you know that was so many years ago and I kind of blocked that off um I was hospitalized in those days that was private (laughs) I was in my second year at uni and so I went to uh, a priory hospital near my uni in Bournemouth and I ended up discharging myself. I was at a weight where I could discharge myself. They couldn't keep me because I wanted to finish my degree. Um, my degree got me through. What happened then is I'd always dabbled in drink and drugs. Um, but I found that drink and drugs was my escape from this awful illness. And I remember very clearly, and this was when I was 19 years old, being told, once an anorexic, always an anorexic right? Those words were made very clear to me. You don't really understand that at that age, however grown up 18 year olds think they are, they're not. Um, I say that cause I've seen so many interviews lately from on TV because of the whole thing. And I'm like, Oh my God, shut up. Um, so I, um, my drinking drug, I, I must, and my drinking drug use, it, 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 it it excelled. Um I had always done it and um it became a way to escape, but it became a way for me to eat. Um because when you drink you don't have any inhibitions, so you eat and whatever. But the reason that I got into cocaine very heavily um, after years, not to start with, was because I found that, oh, it keeps me drinking, plus you can retch, plus it can make you go to the loo, plus it you can lose your appetite, so i still I was probably the only person that could eat on on cocaine, <laughs> but the reason being was that was my chance, you know, but then it was always under control um so i i I used that very much as, as, as my escape. And as the years went by and, you know, I got the work and I got the money. And, um, I went, I moved to New York actually in 97, I was 23. And that's where I kind of got into cocaine more. Um, and I, I, I guess so for the, for the next, I I guess, for the next 25 years or so, I was having a bloody good time. Um, but I was having a great time when I was out and then I was coming home and I was in despair and then, you know, jump years forward. And then I got into this routine of, you know, not eating during the day and then just thinking, okay, well I want to go out and drink so I can eat. And you go out with Chloe you ain't getting home before 7 a.m. and your girlfriend or boyfriend's going to be proper pissed off with you. Um, so I was well aware, I guess. So I gave it all up at 39, but I was well aware for 10 years before that that I had a massive problem. And in those 10 years, I can't tell you the amount of times I looked into getting help. Um, I was in and out of therapy. I looked into going to rehabs. Um, but then I would, I would go out, have a good time and go, yeah, I'm having a good time. It's all right. And that is what kept me going. It was like, okay, well, you know, at least I'm just really enjoying it. I'm not going to stop. But it was that fighting between knowing that you're doing something really wrong and you're not actually fitting in. You're, you're, you're just, these aren't I never felt like I fit in. Um, I was always going around with people much younger than me because they were the ones doing it. And it was just you know, I, I, I basically knew everyone that ran every bar in Camden. Um and I could just go out on my own, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, whatever. So it was it was too easy and I was earning them enough money to 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 afford it then. And then things started getting more out of hand and I was bunking off work pretty much every day making up excuses making up meetings because all I wanted to do was go to the pub and when you know your friends are managing a pub and they're all out together because obviously their work times are different you're like I just want to be with them and it just the lying was awful all the time and then I got to the point where I woke up in the morning and it was like right when when can I go and do this um and then um when I was 39 I hit rock bottom, and that was that I was having drink counselling at the time through the, the through the NHS and they told me I would have to go. And at that time could afford to go to Thailand for a month to an amazing place. I mean, we're talking five-star kind of thing, but it doesn't matter that it's five-star, you're still locked up, by the way. Um so I went there for drink and drugs, right? I hadn't mentioned an eating disorder to any of them that was not on my list of things to do. It wasn't even, but obviously over that time there and it, um it was even if I hadn't said it, it was noticed how much I worked out, you know what I ate and whatever and then in one session it came out, and so they kind of confronted me on it and said you need to you need to sort that out you You leave here with that it's just going to come back, and I'm like, no, leave it like I got so angry, I'm not here for that." So when I came out, and this is in 2013, August, I was still working, still had this great job, and they, were, they knew I'd gone to rehab. No, I had never told them drugs. I said alcohol. And um, within, I think it was two months, I'd lost three stone. And therein began the problem. And the bigger problem was that now that's all I had. I, that didn't have the other thing. That's all I had. And I was, had then hit my forties. So any physical debilitations it gives you are kind of magnified because your body isn't as young as it used to be. Um, but, um, that was my first start, you know, first kind of, part of a horrendous journey for seven years, being in and out of hospital, um, on waiting lists, having my parents beg people to answer. I mean, everyone knows, you know, mental health in the NHS does not go too well and add in anorexia, the services are dire and you can be on a waiting list for a year. You can die in a year, right? Um, so... At the same time, there's me putting on a a face. I'm a professional producer. But as the years went by and I got worse, work became more important because I was just trying to focus on something. And I knew I needed help. And I just lost it. You don't have a functioning brain and whatever. And I stupidly, I regret it to this day, although others may not, um, said, just do whatever. I can't do this anymore. Um, I stupidly uh, went along for an assessment at St. Anne's again because um, that was the only place. And they decided there and then I was going to be admitted. Um, This happened on Christmas Eve, I was told. I wouldn't wish it on anyone. All I would say was I was in an NHS mental health hospital in a ward where I was with self-harmers, anorexics and um, OCD sufferers and when I say OCD we're not talking a little bit of I've got to line all the cans up right um and it was just the worst experience of my life um I managed to get to a weight where they couldn't keep me anymore and I discharged myself against everyone's wishes but the deal was that I could do that providing I went on an outpatient program which was a weight gain program so for the next four months I had to gain weight I was threatened with being sectioned constantly um, I was actually the only one in there that hadn't been sectioned I didn't even know what sectioning was before I went in there um, so I regained and I got to the weight uh, a healthy weight uh, June last year and that's when I started working where I'm currently working um I started as a producer, but unfortunately <laughs> I talk about bad luck um i thought okay this is this is the time and i and you know of course they noticed I didn't eat and everything, but it was fine. You shrug it off um unfortunately that this is last year in October, I got severe pneumonia. Um, and that nearly killed me more. Um, twice I was, I was in ICU for 12 days. Uh, my parents were away. They had to come back and they came and said bye twice. Apparently, um, I've, out of all the years of being anorexic, it was nothing compared to that, which is why I'm very, very aware, sympathetic and scared of COVID because it is a lung disease. So, um, and I guess the difference was it wasn't my choice to be that. When I was harming myself, that was my choice. That was my control. Um, And that knocked me back. Um, It took six months when i say to recover to be able to move around and breathe but it's never that i'm shot now i've never you know going to be the same and that's another thing i want people to know about covid just because people get out of the hospital they are left with lifelong illnesses um and that's just something that i don't think people talk about enough um and so you know that brings us to to now
0: Chloe, can I can I jump in? I I, I mean, for everyone listening, and thank you. I, I it's very difficult for me to to remain quiet for such a long period of time. But on I the know, basis I that you,
1: so much, sorry, <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> but,
0: on, but on the basis that you've done such a great job of of trying to express to you know lots of people who have no appreciation of of the illness and what you go through as a consequence. Um, a couple of things I'd just like to to point out. One to everyone listening. We are, of course, not advocating the excessive use of drink and drugs, but it is the reality of your situation, Chloe. So let's be clear about that. What I'm really interested in, and when we spoke prior to this podcast, the, the message I got without you articulating it was this, was this sense of hope. And the reason I say that is because you mentioned earlier that you're aware of the problem. Sometimes you can't do anything about it. And I guess there's a kind of an analogy for life generally, because a lot of people do repeat the processes of the past that they know are not working but they do them anyway. So I don't think that is something, it's something a lot of people will, will identify with. What I'm really interested to discover with you is, you know, you're an attractive lady, you are professional, you're intelligent. One only has to look at the books behind you to see, uh, you know, <laughs> clearly, clearly you're very intellectual. Um, the question is, how do you, you know, you're still here with us, thank God. Yeah. Um, so there, there has to be something in you that leads you into the next day that gives you that inner hope and that fight and that spirit and that's what I'm really interested to discover because it's what makes you unique so Um, what what is it about Chloe that keeps you going despite all of these challenges that you face every day
1: well I tell you number one my family um if it wasn't for my family I'm very very lucky that I have a family that has supported me and that loves me regardless um, although there's, there's been moments, but I've always known and I say it all the time um, that I am only here because of my family, because I have had numerous times when I just wanted it over, but I could not do that to them. I do find taking one's life um, and this isn't a, a, a judgment because each to their own, you know, I, uh, but if I couldn't do it to my family. They would have to live with that. And I love them so much that I couldn't do that, especially as I have a twin brother. You don't do that. How can a twin lose a twin? And he has actually been my main reason. Um, he's begged me, you know, don't leave me. Um, and we're talking about this begging me constantly year after year. And as recent as last week, I want it out. I just had a really bad week last week and I think maybe the heat wave was something to do with it. But I just, it was very, very scary for me. I think that's why I'm doing this call. Um, because I scared myself because I didn't want to wake up in the morning and I'm usually sometimes if that happens, I know I'll be all right the next day. I never, never let something get me down. Um, for that long but it went on for many days but I will tell you in answer to your question sorry um I I think I mentioned to you I there's this saying what was it where where there's life there's hope or where there's Mm -hmm. Mm. yeah but with me it's where there's hope there's life and the continual hope that one day my life would get better is what kept me going. I would have never been ready to check out because I'm like, well, if I'm going to, I'll tell you what, this doesn't even make sense, but I, it's it's what I feel. Well, if I'm going to check out, well, then I might as well just go and have a really good time now. And you know, I don't know. I've even considered going back on, you know, drink and drugs. It's like, well, if I want to check out, I'll do that. What I'll just say for the record, one of the reasons that I will never go back, it's been seven years, is because, because of what I've done to my body. I literally, one line, one gin and tonic, my heart would go. And that's actually saved my life in that respect. But um, I have kept going because I still believe that there's a life out there for me I still believe I can have happiness where that belief comes from I can't tell you but I still believe that my day is to come in whatever shape that is and so I guess in answer to your question one I'm incredibly lucky with the love and support I get from family and friends I would never do this to them I would never ever do this to them and sometimes it pisses me off um because i'm like god if i didn't care i could just get out of this shit um i'll tell you i first wanted to 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 kill myself when i first got anorexia i remember clearly when i was 20 literally pissed out of my head in a car um thinking all i have to do is drive into that tree that's all i have to do and that's stayed with me that thought um my my resolve is that i still believe that there's happiness to be had to some and that's that's why and it's the thing i think the hardest thing is as i get older i'm thinking well because i know 46 isn't old to a lot of people but to someone with an illness that they've had for 25 nearly 30 years actually now um you know your life short shortened there's no two ways about that
0: um well, I was, gonna, I was just going to step in again and, and uh, summarize what you said. You know, the, what I'm hearing, Chloe, is uh, when, when the reasons uh, to, to keep going, when that better day is always on your kind of mental horizon, as long as they outweigh the reasons why not, there's, there's good reason to keep going. I suppose my question to you is there's lots of people out there listening today uh, that will have tuned in to listen specifically to you. What do you say to the people who, who are in despair for whatever reason, not necessarily with anorexia or, or drink yeah. or drugs issue, yeah. just, just something in life, you know, um, financial difficulty, uh, illness within the family or friendship circle they can't control, something that is really leading them to uh, having a set of challenges they, they don't feel that they can overcome. What do you say to the people who find themselves in a desperate situation right now with, with a set of challenges that when they wake up in the morning, they're like, I, I don't know if I can deal with this. How do I get through the day? You know, no one is better qualified to answer the question you have because you've been doing it every single day for pretty much 30 years. What do you say to give those people the same hope that you try to give yourself?
1: It's a, it's a simply simply a belief that things will get better. Um, What I'd like to stress is that it's, none of this comes naturally. Um, I, what I haven't touched upon is the amount of self-help work that I do. Um, I have go-to self-help books that I'm more than happy to suggest if you want, um, that have saved my life. So I guess one of my biggest tips would be do not, do not under any circumstance, look backwards or forwards. You've just got to get through that day. Right. And that makes the, bigger picture much smaller in terms of worrying i i i don't worry about the future because every day is a gift as far as i'm well not a gift because every day is a struggle but it's still a gift in, you know um they say there's a saying um yesterday's history tomorrow's a mystery today's a gift that's why they call it the present um, the next thing that I would advise anyone to do who struggles to get through a day is a gratitude list. And I sound cliched, and I'm so not cliched, but believe me, um, even during this pandemic, I've helped so many people by just saying to them, live in that, moment, live in the moment. And do a gratitude list. Now my gratitude lists aren't, oh yeah, I won the lottery or yes, you know, blah, blah, blah. They, are, they can simply be, I had a lovely conversation with my aunt. I got a lovely text from my friend. I went for a walk and I really enjoyed hearing the birds sing. I managed to relax for five minutes or something. But you you will notice that your list can get really long. And then you just think, well, these are good things that happened to me. So it's that moment can be something of great gratitude and you, but what I learned and it was probably one of the biggest lessons was the brain is a muscle. It needs training like anything else. And if you stop training it, then you go backwards. So every day you have to work on yourself. And when last week I had a very low week, I pulled out the old book. Um, It's actually one called embracing uncertainty. And it's by Susan Jeffers, and she is the same author of Feel the Fear and Do It Anyway. You're, you're nodding your head, you know these books. I swear to you, they are lifesavers. You just pick it up, open a page, see something you have right all over that, and you see a sentence and you use that sentence to get you through. And I cannot stress enough how important these are. It's called, you know, it's tools. We've all anyone with a mental health illness knows about tools of the mind, CBT. It does work. It really does. Um, I, I would say the thing with my illness is that it's a very, very lonely one, full of secrets. Um, and the difference is having, having been through, you, know, rehab and drug and alcohol, when I went through that, sitting with a group of people talking and identifying with how we felt helped all the years I've been anorexic, I've never once gone on a forum. I've never once gone on a group. I've never once talked about it because I don't want to identify with anyone because I do not want to know someone else is going through this. So it becomes very lonely and it is full of secrets, just absolute that you will take to your grave with you. Any addict is is a, 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 has secrets. Um And once an addict, or you are always an addict because even if you manage to sort one problem out, you transfer that addiction to something else. So I would say in answer to your question, believe, believe that it can get better um, and just live in that day and make sure you don't have to sit down and write a gratitude list. You just at the end of the day go, what happened to me? And really think about it. I mean, you know, with the nice weather—not last week's—but with the nice weather, just um, sitting outside and listening to the birds and to nature sounds so cheesy, but it works. I can't meditate to save my life. You can probably tell by the way I chat. I might—I can't just switch off. It doesn't doesn't happen. But those little moments where I can tune out the mind and focus. So if you focus on a sound. It really, really helps. But as I said, I can't stress enough. You have to work. You have to work at this. You have to... What I would like to do now is stop having a secret and be proud that I am still sitting here talking and functioning, albeit not 100% great body, but it's working. Um, I What I do know is that I don't ask anyone else. I'm not in therapy anymore. I'm not seeing anyone. I'm done. I'm done with that. Um, Because what I found was when I'm talking to people about it, I become it again. It takes over. Chloe, the anorexic. I got rid of that last year and I I, I swore I would never go back. And here's another interesting thing. Throughout my whole illness, I wrote a blog. No one can see it. Um, Every thought I had or whatever time of the day, seven years. Um I've never read it back. I never will because it will be heartbreaking. But I would, just, I would recommend to those that are struggling to write. You don't show it. You don't have to show it to anyone. You never even have to read it back. But get your thoughts out on paper. Um Not paper, <laughs> digital, whatever yeah. you want to do. Yeah. Um Because you have to get them out somehow and it can be a ramble. It can be whatever, but just get it out, write a journal that is just for you. And if you can, you know, it can be anything, but I have always said to people that are struggling, write it down, get it out of your head because sometimes it can help, you know, find a solution and sometimes it's just a way to empty it. Mm. Um. So yeah, I guess, in summary, it 's just get through that day and use tools that you know be aware that you will have to use tools of the mind to help you be willing to do that and and don't give up do not give up um,
0: <sighs> what i hear what I hear from you, Chloe, is you know the answer isn 't always that easy to find. sometimes you never find the answer, yes. but the fact is you 've created this. This belief system that there is always a better day to come, uh, that that strength and resilience come from that support network that you've you 've talked about, um, I, I have to say I found this this conversation today in in many ways you know tragic let's let 's be, let's be very clear about it, but at the same time very, very uplifting, uplifting because someone with all of the challenges that you've faced for so many years have found a way through it, and, and it just isn 't reality for every single podcast guest to be super successful, to have achieved great financial outcomes. This is, this is the reality of our world, is the people that have the struggles and the challenges that you do. Uh, and I, I personally think it's been humbling. I think it's given us all a great deal of perspective. Um, I know that you very kindly, unless you've changed your mind, but you very kindly have suggested that if anyone wanted to email us, um, hello at com and ask Chloe any questions. Chloe's very kindly agreed to then be put in touch with with you directly. Um, So if any of you have got those kinds of struggles and challenges that you want to talk about in in open correspondence with with Chloe, then we can make arrangements to connect you. So I I do want to thank you for that because there's a lot of people whose lives you will have changed in the last 30 minutes. Um, And all I can say to you is, you know, I hope... Uh, that a we stay in touch because you've been incredibly inspiring to me in the couple of conversations that we've had, and um, the closing question that we have for all our guests, and I, I don't think I can let you off the hook really, Chloe, is um, it, given all of your life experience, all of those things that you've been through, good and bad. If a younger version of you were <laughs> to say right now, uh, I'm I'm about to embark on my journey in life, and I clearly want to make it the best I can. How do I avoid the pitfalls of the world that, as it presents itself to us, what what single piece of advice? If you could sum up everything you've learned along the way, if you had your time again, what what single piece of advice or mantra would you encourage somebody to live by?
1: Always believe that you have a worth. Don't let anyone make you feel otherwise. Um, you're an individual. You're you're not. There is. Don't let society dictate. How you should be, who you should be, what you should do. Be yourself. Be proud of yourself, and just keep working on yourself. Um, I, I do find that a hard question to ask because there's too many aspects to it mm-hmm. that have led where I am. But and as I said, I don't know what started me off. I don't remember vividly i why i decided to start starving myself all those years ago but i do know through years of therapy and self help that events that happen in your teenage years shape the rest of your life so to a teenager i guess i could advise actually if you are going through something please speak to someone and deal with it because if you don't, this will cripple you for the rest of your life. I have a 16 year old niece and I watch her and I speak to her so openly. And she is really, she will, she's watched me, uh, be ill. She's watched her father cry his heart out that he's going to lose his twin sister. Um, and I, and throughout this pandemic, called her every week about her mental health and 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 things like this. Um, so I would say that if you are struggling as a teenager, please please reach out. If something's happened to you and you think it's a secret and it was your own fault, speak to someone. It was not your fault. Do not let an event or a person or a situation govern and rule the way you live the rest of your life. That would be my biggest regret. Keeping a secret for 20 odd years, that probably would have made the story very different.
0: Well, for someone who said she didn't think she was going to answer the question very well, I think you answered it brilliantly well. Yeah, I know, I do know, I don't, yeah, I don't. <laughs> you, you have you, you doubt yourself far too much, Chloe, I have to say.
1: Well, that's part um, of it, there you go. <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, um, uh, what can I say? I, thank you so much for, for sharing today. Um, I didn't doubt for one minute when we first spoke prior to this podcast that uh, this wasn't going to be anything other than inspirational but I know it's been very difficult for you to share this and I know it continues to be an emotional journey a very difficult one Uh, but hopefully you now know that you've got a very large family, uh, extended family uh, that being the Sandro Forte podcast family um, all praying for you, supporting you, probably getting in touch with you albeit indirectly um, just know that there's a very, very large number of people out there absolutely pulling in the same direction as you. So, um, thank you so much for joining us and being a really, really wonderful guest. I didn't doubt you'd be anything else, but thank you very, very much.
1: Thank you, and, and just on a last note, it doesn't. People can reach out to me. They don't have to have an eating disorder. This is about mental health. This is about struggle. This is not about you know. It, I'm, this is not about young teenage anorexics getting in touch with me at all. This Mm. is about anyone struggling with anything, Um, and I have always said that if I can help people, then it makes this whole awful journey worth it. Because I don't want anyone to suffer what I have for the last Mm. thirty odd years, and I don't want.
0: Okay. Thank you. Really appreciate. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I will. I will simply conclude by uh, by thanking you again, and of course. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, to thank you everyone for joining us on the Sandro 40 podcast today. Uh, I, I don't know what adjective to use to describe Chloe. Uh, inspiring doesn't even get close. And now, remember, of course, we've got a new guest joining us every week to share their own insights into achieving success or overcoming life's challenges as Chloe did today. So please make sure you subscribe, follow us on social media, Sandro's podcast. Don't forget the little S in the middle. Same on all channels. And if you want to email us, particularly with a question for Chloe, it's hello at sandrospodcast.com. And please remember those two other things. To connect with me, Sandro Forty, it's the real Sandro Forty on Instagram. And please leave the reviews on iTunes so we know what kind of guests you'd like in the future. Until this time next week, and it's going to get very difficult to find a guest to match what we heard today. (laughs) See you soon. Have a great week.